podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Dine Local SD, serving up the latest in the San Diego culinary world with a pinch of history. Bowls that yes. they're, they're round on the bottom, and you, and you stand there and go like, yeah. "Are we live? We're super live!" <laughs> Hello, it's going to be fun. This is. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Dine Local SD Podcast Number Sixty. We are serving up the latest in the San Diego culinary world with a pinch of history. Today, we welcome Executive Chef Greg Fry Jr. of the Golden Door. Hello there. Hi. Thank you. Thank you. How are you? Very good. Good. Not only good, but very good. Sweet. Um, this is going to be a really spectacular podcast, and it's also my last podcast with Dine Local SD, so I'm extra excited to have you on here. For well, this I'm one. super excited, but not for the reason. Uh... <laughs> um, we So the past couple Dine Local SD podcasts, I've been talking to industry leaders about um, different facets of the restaurant industry in San Diego right now, and I think... Um, you know, I we had the privilege of coming up and visiting you at the Golden Door, which is amazing, um, last week. And I didn't realize exactly what it was. Uh-huh. Um, and it's such a unique part of the restaurant industry in San Diego. So welcome. Thank you. And I hope you're ready for all of my questions. I'm super excited okay. to be here. <laughs> Yay. So if you don't mind, can you give us like a brief history of um, your culinary career since moving out to San Diego, because I know you're not from here originally. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> well, you know, really my culinary career started, like most of us, it starts really young. Uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, have my parents, my mother was a flight attendant, my mm-hmm. father was a pilot uh, for a major airline, and, and they flew international. And so really the way to spend time with the kids was to bring us along with them. So from a young age, I traveled a lot, um, you know, and, and got to be exposed to many different cultures, different cuisines, and that really set a love for food. Mm-hmm. But however, that was not at all what I wanted to go do. I didn't want, <laughs> I never thought it was going to be a career. Um, so at 13, I knew I wanted to be an aerospace engineer. Oh, yeah. Um, my father being a pilot, you know, I was around airplanes all the time. So I was doing this, uh, you know, thing. And, and when I graduated high school, I knew exactly what school I wanted oh, to go yeah. to, be an aer- aerospace engineer, go off to that. And the romanticism of that just fell off. Yeah. In the meantime, you go backtrack a little bit to when I, my first job at 15 was at a restaurant, a local little mom and pop Italian place where I was the host, nice. busser, basically do anything, you know, everything, dishwasher, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever needed to get done. And that started in the restaurant career. And then from there, I never wanted to go back into restaurants. Yeah. And my father, you know, when I came back from school after aerospace engineering was not working, he's like, you know, why don't you go check out restaurants? And I said, I saw the life of the chef, you know, and, and what, I mean, that little place, I mean, everyone had really, really tough lives. Um, and on the flip side, you know, I saw what my parents did yeah. and granted we weren't living on uh, silver platters, but at the same time we had a really comfortable lifestyle. So I didn't want to go that route. Anyhow, long story short, I decided to go back into restaurants. Next thing I know from the front of the house, I start going into the kitchens, mm. start cutting herbs when I'm not busy, when I don't have a table down. Yeah. And then I said, Hey, Maybe I should just give this a shot. And I read two books Ooh. that really pushed me over the edge. One was uh, Soul of a Chef by Michael Roman. Nice. Uh, that was really one of those that opened me up to the fact that it wasn't just a, it wasn't just a job for a blue-collar person. Mm-hmm. It was a job that can be a profession that you can make really a, a, a really strong career. Yeah. And um, 
And then the other book was Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, Kitchen Confidential. And it wasn't the romanticism of the job that <clears throat> I fell in love with. It was the fact that I was living that life, you know, without the without the drug, sex, mm-hmm. and rock and roll part. Yeah. <laughs> I was totally. still very much a nerd. Uh, but <laughs> either too. way, it was the life. It was the the waking up and constantly thinking about food and, yeah. and knowing, you know, what's this going on and, and being engaged. That, that book really gave me the opportunity to see that this was something that I could do. And so I jumped off the boat and went into culinary school at Johnson Wales, Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, awesome. Fit like a glove. Like yeah. it was the first time school ever I was able to get A's. Yeah. You know, ever, up until that point, school was always a struggle. Uh-huh. And uh, I knew I made a good choice there. Worked at Charleston Place Hotel with mm-hmm. Bob Wagner and Michelle Weaver for six years. Also afforded me chances to work in the Caribbean, mm. uh, New Orleans, uh, France. And uh, then I went to California, and here I have been in California for over 10 years. Started in San Francisco, Monterey at Bernardo's Lodge in Carmel Valley, and then came down to San Diego with my wife um, about eight years ago now, and been at the Golden Door for the last four. Awesome. So that's the brief. Yes. No, that's (laughs) perfect. That's actually, it's um, kind of similar to to my, my story. And uh, Kitchen Confidential was also like I had just started working the pantry station at the Prado, uh-huh. and all of a sudden I was like, "People do this for their jobs." Like, uh, it, yeah. like I had never considered it before. Right. And someone was like, "You really need to read this book." And then I was, I was just like hooked from then on. I was yeah. like, "Okay, all yeah. right." This guy just told me I could do this, and it sounds really exciting. And yeah. I'm also a huge nerd, so there were no sex, drugs, or rock and roll. But <laughs> it was like, yeah, like this, this fits finally. Awesome. Cool. And so the Golden Door. Okay. So let me, I will explain my brief (laughs) description of the Golden Door, aka Nirvana. Like that place is magical. It's a, I don't know, I'll let you describe it's like a a wellness getaway, like an all encompassing, like. uh, It's really hard to nail down because it, it does offer so much to so many different people. Yeah. But basically, it's like, you stay there for seven days and everything is taken care of from your food to your clothes to your meals. And it's on these gorgeous grounds um, in San Marcos, Vista, Escondido-ish area. Somewhere yeah, it's north. like San Marcos, uh, Escondido. Okay. Yeah. And um, it's like the energy there is just like we were so blissed out the whole time. <laughs> like we were like, whoa. <laughs> um, and there's the gor- gorgeous gardens and farmland and chickens and bees yeah. and pools and like all the things you could ever want. Yeah. There's, there's pretty much a little bit of something for everyone. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course you can't have everything, but sure. uh, you know, 60 years worth of history there, uh, yeah. you know, and it started with a little, uh, it started actually, if you want to go all the way back, it's Rancho La Puerta mm. in Tecate, Mexico. Yeah. Uh, Deborah Zaykay and her husband started that and they were basically tents out wow. in the middle of the desert, Oof. you know, and, and getting it's these come like, a long way. <laughs> 1941, you imagine like Whoa. movie stars and producers and bankers and these kind of guys going out there. And, uh, so basically they, um, petitioned Deborah mm. to build something sm- smaller, more exclusive, yeah. a little bit closer. Yeah. So she found a motel on the side of the 15 there. Wow. And that was the original Golden Door, and it was a Moroccan-themed oh. motel, a few rooms. Um, and so then, if, you know, 10 years into that, then they mm-hmm. said, look, we need something bigger. And so she ends up purchasing an old tree farm, which is now the current oh. property of the Golden Door. And that started in 1971. She brought in architects, woodworkers, uh, you know, groundskeepers, oh. all from Japan wow. to make it very authentic. And it's a Japanese... Um, it's like a Roiken style inn. 
Cool. Uh, and those are made for the weary traveler. So it's yeah. it's actually those are really designed not to uh, accommodate couples sure. or families. It's to accommodate those single mm. travelers, the the salespeople and things like that that yeah. used to have to travel all up and down the roads all, you know, and basically, you know, wear themselves out being yeah. alone. So it was a place of rejuvenation. Awesome. And that's where the inspiration for the Golden Doors grounds came from. Cool. And it, it is like I felt rejuvenated after being there for like a few hours. Yeah, like, it, it's like, ah. The energy is palpable. Yeah, it really is. Uh, yeah. Wow. It's so, not a bad office. No, I was going to say I'm like, so <laughs> dang, like, lucky you, man. That, and that's what I thought when I was like, oh my gosh, could you imagine coming to work here every day? And I still think that. Yeah. And then I think the first, qu- like we started with like a little bit of the grounds and then we went into the kitchen mm-hmm. and you showed us that menu board with all of the special requests and like all of the calorie limits and that's like it. how, like what a logistical chart your day must be yeah. and in the days before the day. And so... Can you explain a little bit about like how the meals are planned at the Golden Door? Because it's so different from a, a regular old restaurant. Well, you know, I think the biggest difference between our kitchen and many others is that uh, we do not run <clears throat> primarily on, on recipes. Mm. <clears throat> so uh, a lot of times you go to a kitchen and basically you're going to see a book of recipes. And um, the reality is, is that I, I need my cooks to cook. Yeah. And um, I, I want to foster and encourage them to, uh, you know, continue to cook and use their intelligence and their yeah. history and their knowledge when they're looking at a dish to kind of be able to think through something. Mm-hmm. Maybe the carrots aren't as sweet this time. Maybe the tomatoes aren't as good. So maybe someone can't have tomatoes. Maybe right. they can, you know, so we come, up, uh, we come up against that all day long. And so I need my cooks to have that same mentality that I would have of being able to change out something, replace something. Yeah. Um, and also it helps keep them creative Yeah. so that they really are, more in tune into thinking of what is there going on in the season, uh, what's in front of them, and actually prepare yeah. from more inspiration rather than from uh, memory or recall. Sure. Yeah. And so speaking of like adjusting on the fly, there's also like a huge part of the Golden Door that's farm. Yeah. And, and I know that you work really closely with the the farmers and the groundskeepers there. And one of the things you had mentioned was like, you know, if you're planning on making a eggplant dish and then all of a sudden, oh, well, bug got into the eggplants or whatever. I think, you know, that's the thing. Like the, the you can't plan too much. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, things are going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's different. Uh, and what I mean, like by, by cooking from recipes and a lot of times, like uh, when you're in a restaurant, you basically have an order list. Right. You have an order guide yeah. at the end of the night, you go through the order guide and you check off the boxes and we have an order list too, but you know, it's a lot different in that we have to be out there in the garden and see what's going. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, sometimes a brigada bug can come up and there's all your beets. It's gone in a day. Yeah. What happened? You know, uh, these beautiful kohlrabi, you've got so much, uh, planned around them and then to pull them and they're fibrous and they're tough mm. and they're bitter and you know, it, you just kind of have to you have to utilize what the land gives you. And um, so that's where I say it's like, you know, we change, we don't have a set menu every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, Monday. So the biggest challenge that I deal with from a food perspective there is keeping my guests um, 
in, entertained or or engaged. Oh, right. So you see, you're serving them for seven days. They arrive Sunday. They leave the next Sunday. Yeah. Mon- breakfast, lunch, and dinner for seven days, all from the same restaurant. So keeping them interested. You know, you get bored if you go to the same restaurant three yeah. times a day. You know, so imagine that you're really a captive audience. Yeah. So the biggest thing that we have to do is constantly change styles and techniques and make it feel different, make sure. it feel unique. So that way your 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 guests are interested in coming and eating. Yeah. Um, the other thing that helps them is that they're working out like crazy. Yeah. They work out from five o'clock until eight o'clock at night oh almost. Goodness. Seems like I mean they're constantly moving. Yeah. And uh, that means that they're hungry. Yeah. And a hungry Just audience good. is a good thing for chefs. It's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, they're fed. Uh, we have different diet plans from twelve hundred calories to sixteen hundred calories. Okay. Um, and then we have the other side of that is you know the calorie limit is a very historical historical part of the Golden Door yeah. and part of the program, and it's really meant more to foster a good understanding of a balanced diet mm-hmm. and of, of maintaining a good, good healthy weight. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times we get kind of tagged with the, the fat farm kind of idea. Oh, uh, sure, sure. That people are coming to lose weight. Right. And the reality is how much really, how much weight are you going to lose that's healthy in a week? Yeah. Um, it's not, you know, weight loss is a very long-term goal. Yeah. But um, either way, regardless of that, yeah. you know, it's, it's, for me, I feel like it's my duty for these folks that come there for seven days. It's one of the few specialties in life is to eat from a garden yes. seven days where the, where the produce has literally been harvested right. within an hour maybe sometimes. Or, I mean, there's a lot of times where I need something. I just run out into, on the bike, go yeah. out to the garden, cut it, and use it. So it's important for me to showcase as much as I can from the grounds mm-hmm. so that those guests really get to take advantage of that in that full, in that week. You know, you may go to a restaurant that uses something from a local garden right. and the, the novelty of that will stick with you. But, you know, imagine the experience of being able to eat for a whole week yeah. from that garden. That's, that, that's, that alone's that's an evocation, right? <laughs> it can be. Yeah. yeah. But don't forget the baby bell cheese. <laughs> Yeah, of course, we got to bring up the bomb bell cheese. Well, that's the thing is, you know, when you have sixty years of history, yeah, you have sixty years years of history. Things change very differently. Yeah. Uh, they they have a different pace. Um, you know, it it seems very idealistic. The idea that you're going to go to some place and be massaged every day in your room and have a facial, five facials. Five. You have a personal trainer. Five. 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 I mean, I, I I mean, I'm good after one nap, but yeah. you get five. Uh, body treatments, you know, personal trainer for the week, you, you know, everything from Tai Chi to fencing, mm. archery, uh, you know, horseback riding, you, yeah. but you get so many different walks of life yeah. and they're all trying to do so many different things and keeping them all interested is, uh, that is the, you know, it's easy to bliss out while you're there, yeah. you know, but at a certain point it's, it's also like, okay, you know, you've had enough of a good thing. Sure. Sure. Can happen. Yeah. I could see myself getting antsy. Yeah, I mean... Give but- me the stress! <laughs> <laughs> That's just me, though. Um, yeah, so what was the trifecta? Uh, you said that there's like a meal trifecta. Oh, yes, the, it's, the, uh, it's the the holy trinity. Oh, yes, that's it. <laughs> and it was. I remember there was pizza. Right. Because I remember being like, duh. It starts on Wednesday with the bento box. Oh, right, okay. The bento box is... So, um, it is the favorite of the Golden Door. And, and usually folks start asking me by Tuesday, is the bento box still on the menu? Um, you know, so the bento box is, so these are three lunches. Okay. Starts on Wednesday with the bento. Thursday is pizza. 
and then Friday is burgers. So ah. also turkey burgers, uh, you know, fish, um, not fish patties, but like fish fillet, okay, and then yeah. a uh, black bean and lentil burger. Nice. And you know, the, here's the the really funny thing is, is that I could make a lot of these different dishes and different iterations of each sure. other, but at the end of the day, there's going to be a bento box pizza yeah. <laughs> and a burger. They gotta have it. And I, you know, foreseeing when those actually come off the menu, yeah. it's not within my Never. wheelhouse. Never. I, I don't yeah. see it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, when we first changed the bungalow to Bobo, everyone that came into Bobo was like, where's the duck? And it was uh-huh. like this thing, like, where's the That's duck? It. Why is the duck off the menu? And we're like, we're not that restaurant anymore. And people were pissed. Like, they were like... I come here every year for the duck. We're like that's the problem. You came here once a year for the duck. Like, do you know any? Do you know any chefs who love a signature dish? No, no. I, I mean, it's like the. It's like I get pegged with the. It's not even my dish that I like. I right, right, yeah. But that's where that... signature. It's it's so funny how signature di- signature. Blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah. yeah. And let me drink some more water. <laughs> yeah. You sure this is water? Yeah. Uh, signature dishes. Just seem to follow people, yeah. and so that was one of the big concerns. Like, and go back to the bon bell cheese. Okay, right. so um, here we have this very idealistic idea of what the golden yeah. door is going to be. You know, marble and gold, and it's ten thousand yeah. dollars a week, and it's all. And no, it's it's so much more organic than that. It's, yeah. it's and when I mean organic, I mean like you and I, like real people. It's, yeah, it's not meant to be um, uh, that ideal stage. Yeah. You know, white tablecloth right. and white glove. No, I mean, because at the end of the day, that's that gets boring. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just want to have you know, it's connection. It's, it's the hospitality of a family. Yes. that's really where the connection comes from. Yeah. So anyhow, the Bombay cheese. When I first got there, this is one of those things that they have as snacks. Yeah, it's it's easy to pick up, grab, take with you. Sure. Um, but I saw this and I go, okay, we we're better than this. You know, let's. So I wanted to get a nice cheese program going. We'd have some good cheeses that we could put out. Yeah. You know, again, these are snacks that yeah. they're just coming by and grabbing. But I just saw this as being the antithesis of what we were really sure. trying to strive for. The wax, the red wax, with the, <laughs> the process, string, like you yeah. know, the the machine just yeah, yeah. just squirting out cheese and the wax. You know, it just doesn't anyhow. I. That was the first thing I took away, and literally within hours, yeah. I'm getting calls. And, you know, it's not even the people that are just staying at the Golden Door. I'm starting to get emails from people that weren't even staying at the Golden Door. They but just heard, heard about, about it, it. Oh from the, the different folks that are staying there that week. So within within a day, it was right back out there. And you thought that the foundation of the Golden Door was built on these Bombell cheese. Right. The reality is, is that, you know, it is like family. It's like yeah. – so to go back to where you were, you know, you, where you were talking earlier about um, – you know, 65% of those folks that come through mm. the doors once will come back another 10 times in their life. Yeah. And it speaks really more to the power of what happens there yeah. that you have such a high return rate. Mm-hmm. And with that high return rate, people expect to see some of their old favorites. And so the first thing I was hit with when I walked out as the chef to tables to greet people yeah. and introduce myself, everyone's question was, what are you going to get rid of? Oh. What's the first thing? And, you know, Ooh. Of course, at that time, I didn't have a good response to that. But sure. you know, now, uh, in my business is not to get rid of favorites. It's yeah. to make new ones. Mm, so, I like that. As we make new favorites, we rotate things out. But um, yeah. it, it is a uh, – it happens a lot slower. Yeah. than in the restaurant, pff, I just scratch everything and sure. just start over again. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So um, that's that story just cracked me up. Um, so – this idea, we, we were just talking earlier, and you had said, like, when you first got to San Diego, San Diego wasn't really a culinary 
it wasn't a place to build your culinary career. Correct. And so, but we both agreed that like in the past few years, like it's really come up and it's changed a lot. And so what are some ways that you have seen it change? And, and do you think it's the the chefs from out of town that we're attracting? Or do you think it's the consumers are enjoying different things? Or what, what are your thoughts well, on that? I'll, I'll give you my opinion on a food scene is the food scene is not driven by the chefs. Mm-hmm. The chefs really go to where the folks will eat their food. Yeah. Um, there's a reason why people, you know, San Francisco, you can find such a diverse variety mm-hmm. of interesting food and interesting preparations. It's because the the patrons, the, the, the local community sure. is willing to go and spend and, and maybe try something different outside the box and new. Yeah. And, and my interest in San Diego is actually long before I came here. Uh, when I was in Charleston, mm-hmm. um, Bob, he went, uh, Bob Wagner, he came out here for some event and I said, hey, chef, you know, just I've always been interested in San Diego. When you're out there, will you please take a look? And of course, this is this is probably like 2000, 2003, 2004. Okay. And um, he came out and, and when I when he came back, I said, well, you know, what'd you, what'd you think? And he said, no. No. It's like, no, don't Greg, do don't, don't do this. You know, and of course, part of it, I'm sure, was self-interest. But the other sure. part, I also appreciate and I trust Bob yeah. uh, implicitly and um, you know, he's a reason why I'm where I'm at today. Yeah. But, you know. Either way, uh, when I left Bernardus in Monterey, you know, Bernardus Lodge, the, the chef that I was working for, Cal Staminoff, he's mm-hmm. one of the best chefs you've never heard of. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's his tagline. Yeah. He really is. Uh, he's a genius in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, and he was a fantastic person to work for. So when I, when I came down from San Francisco and there I was staging with um, – uh um oh goodness me oh my i'm gonna get his name right now well let's just pass someone really great <laughs> Stuart braza okay uh Stuart with uh you know now he's with um uh bird provisions and oh, before but yeah. at that time it was um uh uh oh my goodness i need some can <laughs> someone like, go to the I walk and give me some ginseng right <laughs> uh anyhow you know, I went down to Monterey because a buddy said, hey, I wasn't like having the whole San Francisco thing. Yeah. I love San Francisco. My wife and I love to go to San Francisco, eat and see the city, but it was just not a place for me to live. Yeah. So a I friend of mine was in Monterey and he said, come check this out. And so yeah. I get there to Monterey and it's beautiful weather. Mm. It was warm. Yeah. And I'm going to work here for a week. And I'm like, man, this is amazing. You, yeah. know, you go to Carmel Valley oh my gosh, and it's, it's not so like beautiful. so pretty. Oh my and you're gosh. just like, wow. So anyhow, starting there with the chef and, you know, the the farmers are mm. pulling up yeah. with their trucks to the back dock and we're just jumping on mm-hmm. and figuring out what we like. And then the, you know, the fish guy comes in and oh. he backs up his truck and this truck's got two gigantic, like 250 gallon live wells and full with spot prawns. They wow. just pulled from the crates, yeah. you know, like we're one of the first stops and how much do you want? 120 pounds, just scooping out with wow. a, with a net yeah. on, of all these live spot prawns. I'm like, this is where I want to be. This yeah. is this is where I'm really in touch with the, mm-hmm. with the food and the land and like things are really coming right out of the farm and yeah. right here to us. So that really set in the precedent for me was I didn't want to do anything lesser than that. Mm. Um, so the opportunity presented itself to come to San Diego. Yeah. My wife and I took it and we had no connections here in San Diego. Yeah. We lived on our 20, our, her, in, uh, her family's 
27 foot boat. Nice. Here in the harbor. Yeah. Boat with, life. And all it was is a berth, <laughs> a bed, <laughs> a, a small bathroom that yeah. I, you know, and uh, and a dining room table. I couldn't stand up. I was going to say, you're quite tall. <laughs> it's, it was, you know, my head was off to the yeah. side the whole time. Anyhow, uh, San Diego has been really good to us, and but one of the things that I was concerned with was mm-hmm. leaving Monterey and mm-hmm. leaving that food scene of yeah. being – we were still nestled around San Francisco, right. but Salinas Valley being the salad bowl of the U.S. right there. Totally. So I was deathly afraid of what was going to happen, yeah. you know, and having no connections here. Mm-hmm. And when I got here, I was just floored with what we have in San Diego, yeah. what San Diego had, excuse me, to offer and – and what people were not taking advantage of, mm, you know, sure. this 18th largest agricultural county in the U.S. Yeah, you know, and to just thinking of that, how many count, how many counties are in the world? Right. Or, I mean, sorry, in the United States, and then we're the 18th. Yeah. So there's so much here in San Diego to be taken advantage, uh, taken advantage. If it, but we send a lot of it. Yeah. Outside. Sure. And in the last. Ten, you know, eight years that I've been here, yeah. uh, and specialty has been one of the big driving forces, and and I've huge supporter of moving this forward but you know chefs are coming and staying here mm-hmm. and i think that's the most important thing is you know if, if we're constantly shedding off good talent um right. the you know it's 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 not a it's not because the restaurants aren't doing a good job of that it's really just more of once the if the community is um engaged in the restaurant they're going to go and patronize it yeah. you know and and that's what i find now is that san diego san diegans are really doing a lot to educate themselves on mm-hmm. food and where to go eat. And that's what's fueled this boom. And it's yeah. fantastic to, you know, now, I mean, seven years ago, I had maybe a couple handfuls of places that I would go and eat, yeah. um, you know, enjoyably. And now, you know, people ask me, where's your favorite place? I'm like, I honestly can't tell you. Yeah. I, I, so many options. There's so many options now. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. That's cool. I, um, at the last minute had, uh, like, my Saturday night opened up and so I'm like, Oh, like go out to like, I'm kind of yeah. trying to hit the places that I'm going to miss when I leave. And I called like three restaurants. It was like for an early reservation, like a five thirty right. like grandma reservation. And everyone was full. And I'm like, Not fantastic. what is this? And I'm like, that's really cool. Like that's that needs to happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then finally I just resorted to texting a friend and being like, help, I want to eat your food. And he was like, I got you. I'm like, sorry, thanks. Um, Called in the lifeline. I did. I'm like, hey, chef, you working? It's like, you want a table? I'm like, yeah. Um, and I had a delicious meal at Leroy's in Coronado. Fantastic. Yeah, I had never been. So, Very good. Yeah, it was great. Um, and so, like, I remember when I interviewed Chef Brian Malarkey, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that he had said was like, there's so many different ways to part. Cause I, I think my question was, you know, what advice do you have for, for young cooks who mm-hmm. want to get in the industry? And he said, there's so many different ways to participate in the restaurant industry. Even if you're cooking, like you can be in catering, you can be in events, you can be in a restaurant, you can be. Yeah. And, and that's something that I think, uh, I, I don't think about often. Like I think, you know, Oh, well, I worked in a restaurant. And so if I ever get back into the kitchen, it has to look like this. Yeah. And one of the first things I thought when I went into your kitchen was like, it that doesn't look like that, but right. it's the same thing. <laughs> do you, um, I, I was going to ask, do you miss like the kind of chaotic environment of the, of a, a restaurant or, or what do you really I have appreciate? A chaotic environment. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> You're like, it's all the same. It just looks pretty. It's, 
you know what I tell, uh, when I'm bringing in cooks, um, and you're right, uh, like our kitchen is like a little, um, countryside yeah. French kitchen. It reminds me of like Julia Child's kitchen. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, so I have, uh, uh, Ludo from Los Angeles, oh, yes. you know, he comes and stays with us and I, we've done a few events there and he loves cooking in the kitchen because mm-hmm. it reminds him going back to France mm-hmm. and like having the ability to just like, you know, the, the inspiration is not flipping through a magazine. The inspiration right. is just, is walking out the door yeah. and right out there into the garden. Like it, it's, it's tangible yeah. versus, um, the trendy of here and now, you know, so, um, but either way, what I try to let cooks understand is that the pace of a restaurant most often is typically set by the printer. Yes. <laughs> you know, and how fast that is, those dupes come. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, uh, okay, well, I'm having a good day because I'm not getting annoyed at the printer. Yeah, yeah. I've had <laughs> like then, printer dreams. Well, of course. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've got a really, I have a funny story in that one too, but either way, we'll say that for after. But, um, you know, so the pace is set by that printer and here yeah. for us, it's kind of like a banquet setting where you really have to push hard when you first get in yeah. and you really have to rush to get everything set up because you have so many different, um, uh, you know, minutia detail to mm-hmm. check. It, it's, you know, you're making, you're creating 40 individualized customized meals yeah. that all have to go out at the same time. To it's not the like right person. to the right person. It's yeah. not like, you know, you have, okay, we're working on table two now, right. uh, you know, and that, and that table comes in and no, every, all 40 sit down at once. And all 40 have to get fed at once yeah. with the different customizations that mm-hmm. they have. Uh, it still has to be fresh. It still has to be hot. And uh, so the, you know, there's still plenty of chaos that comes in it. It's yeah. just more of a chaos of a, of a, a different mentality. Sure. So that you have to, you really have to keep yourself engaged because the it's like the, the cardinal sin of the kitchen. It's, you know, I feel good. Right. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah. You know, the exactly. minute that minute that thought creeps in your head, you should be afraid. You yeah. Know, like I feel comfortable. You know that that's that's not a good kitchen. Yeah, that's not, not a good sign. Not a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like that, and it's so true. Like that that blew my mind when I was like, each of these meals. I I was actually there on bento box day. Yes. Um, we, is person specific, so it's not like yes. Okay, we've got three vegetarian options. No, it's like we've got John Doe and then James, whatever. You know, it's like, wow. Yeah, you can you can have a lot of differences. I mean, there's there's weeks where we don't have a lot of differences, sure. and and there's um there's more challenging weeks than others. Mm-hmm. Um, some weeks where you just you just kind of feel like there is there is no one strong enough to swim up the stream. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, and that's. I appreciate that. There are times and getting back to, I think where you were headed was I do miss the kitchen. Um, I miss having that, that the diner, the dinner, dinner rush of four hours worth of just like, and at the end of it going, what happened? Yeah. I do miss that. I get it in a different sense now. It's not that it's, uh, it's completely different now is I walk in for my day and never know what I'm going to really be greeted with. It's always something different. And, and I'm, constantly moving throughout the day mm-hmm. um you know trying to basically balance this balance that and it's just a different set of yeah. uh, things whereas if i was in the restaurant i'd probably i'd be i'd be on the line expediting every night yeah uh, that's yeah. just one of my favorite places yes mine too um awesome and so what i'm going to ask you the same question i ask everyone now what advice do you have for someone young or or new to the culinary world in San Diego right now. I think the 
Well, I'll say what what I say is the most important thing in a in a chef's toolbox yeah. is exposure. Mm-hmm. Exposure is you know you know and what I mean by exposure, it, it, you know, different cultures, different mm-hmm. different techniques, yeah. ingredients. Uh, I read cookbooks like most people like to read novels, and the reason for that is um, to see what else is going on. Different yeah. idea. I mean, it's it's an endless thing. So, uh, but the big thing is is you know travel. Yeah. Go eat different places, eat different restaurants, travel to this country, travel to that country. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just stay at one place, you'll only know that one spot. Yeah. And I find a lot of cooks are really interested in staying at one place and moving through the ranks. Sure. And that can be very beneficial. Yeah. Um, I mean, it can get you a lot of experience. But don't discount the fact that um, our job yeah. as culinarians is to share. Yeah. Sharing it when you get to the heart of it, it sharing is mm-hmm. is important, and having more to share, that's another big thing. Yeah, best analogy is a as an artist. Yeah, a great artist can really make some really beautiful work just giving him two colors. Sure. Okay, but give that artist a full palette of yeah. colors, you know, a full spectrum, and imagine what they can create. And yeah. that's that's really the biggest thing. I like that. I like that a lot. Got my wheels turning. Um. You're going to be exposed to a lot. I know. I'm like, sure. I want to like talk to you. Like, don't leave so soon after you. Um, um, I had a question, then I just got really wrapped up in your answer and this concept of sharing. Um, because I and I, the reason why I got wrapped up in it is because I think that sometimes there's this idea that whether it's an artist or a chef or or a rock star, I kind of use them all interchangeably now because mm-hmm. that seems to be kind of like what's happening um there there can be some like hoarding of privacy right. on their techniques or or like well if they're known for doing yeah and it's like but you're right like if i learn your secret fried chicken recipe you know right. i i could modify that to my own it could be something totally different but together we're raising up the fried chicken game or, or whatever mm-hmm. i was just going through. well i think i mean really uh Great cooks can overcome. They overcome that by creating in their own style. Right. Um, There. I mean, but there's thousands of different styles in food. Right. There's so many chefs who and cooks who really don't cook well without having that recipe. Mm -hmm. And then just the opposite. There are plenty who just don't follow recipes well. Yeah. And but just can cook from the soul and from the heart. Completely different. Um, You know the. We try. I'm trying to constantly, as a, as a young chef, is is always trying to help myself because I mean, right now it's a different side. Is that sure. I'm not necessarily the cook. You know, I'm trying to help um, educate and nurture. And I always want, you know, how can I help my cooks go on to do better? Like yeah. I was helped, right? You know? And I feel right now we're in a very interesting turning point in our business mm-hmm. um everyone across the across the nation right now is in the same shortage as we are and i don't think that we're in a shortage of passion i think the industry yeah. has plenty of passion out there i think the difference is that we're missing the desire mm. it, it's the desire that pushes you into sometimes bad situations and yeah. helps helps you come out on top you know it it you know we find a lot of strength and comfort yeah and um, if I, I mean, that's the the next, the next set of advice would be, don't be afraid to be uncomfortable. Right. You, you know, it's most often the, the places that we are the most uncomfortable, we learn yeah. more about ourselves and what it is. Yeah. And, and, uh, that, that's, you know, when I first started, 
and I shared this when we were touring the door. I originally wasn't going to take the job. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it was, and, and it had a lot of different um, reasons to that. But, mm-hmm. you know, because of my wife pushing me over the fence, she's got ooh, the, ooh, ooh. the good ideas all the time. <laughs> But, you know, she was right, um, yeah. you know, and I was, I was really uncomfortable with the sense of having someplace, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. I'm yeah. just, I'm a hotel chef, you know, right. I'm, I'm trained to run the, run a, run a kitchen, you know, banquet, something yeah. like that. And, you know, yeah, granted hotels have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but you have so many different outlets. Sure. This yeah. is the one, yeah. you know, yeah. and you are for 40 people, <laughs> 40 people yeah. It's very intimate. Yeah. Uh, you know, I get to know these folks very well and yeah. I see them a lot and, uh, that's, you know, something that I don't have a problem with, mm-hmm. um, I, lo- I love, it's the sharing part. Yeah. The sharing part is what brings me back to this job every single time. Yeah. Every time, even when I'm like uh, not, uh, you know, because everything is an up and down. Sure. You're always going to ride the wave of life. Yeah. And, uh, but at the same time, it's it's sitting with someone who's, mm-hmm. sh- and I'm sharing something with them. That's, that is it. Yeah. I mean, uh, you can't, you can't beat that. Yeah. That feeling with that smile on the other side of the table. Totally. Someone just um, posted a comment, but I'm actually blind. Uh, thank you. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Looking long-term to be patient. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Thanks for commenting and listening, Harriet. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, that's that really does, that does hit a lot is, um, I'm sure you've heard this on the last few chefs coming through is that, you know, students coming out of culinary school mm. are so eager, yeah, eager to be the next, you know, the next big thing. Yeah. And the reality is it's such a small percentage of those who do our jobs that, mm. um, uh, you know, I don't do this job to be known. Right. I, I do this job because it's what I love to do. Yeah. I couldn't think, I mean, the other, you know, there's sides of it that have that romantic part to sure. it but you're still going to cut your finger off yeah you're still going to sweat in places you don't want to sweat yeah. you know you're still going to get you're going to burn yeah. uh it you know there's this idea that you know uh that that celebrity chef and mm-hmm. what they do and the reality is, is you know that's not it at all yeah um, but the nice thing is is there's plenty of jobs out there i mean sure. food, from food stylist to whatever there's yeah. plenty of different i have uh i've had a few cooks recently who you know really just kind of struggled with where they're going in this career yeah. and what's going to be available for them. Um, you know, cause maybe restaurants aren't the thing and um, we, it's trying to encourage them to understand like there's hundreds of different jobs yeah. in this industry, everything right. from, you know, someone cooking at an institution, yeah. which that still has to be good nourishing food totally. uh, to making something up like for a magazine mm-hmm. um, where you may not be like feeding someone, you're making a beautiful picture, but it's feeding someone, in some other way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that just in general, our culture, no matter in what profession, is like there's this idea that it's a linear path of like, mm. and then you go up this rank, and then you go up this rank, yeah. and then you do this, and then you've made it. Right. And like as someone who um, was in the right place at the right time, right out of culinary school, who like shot up, I I got Bobo as executive chef when I was 22. Yeah. Now at 30, I'm like, I feel like I missed like a lot right. in the years that I just like had to learn how to do the chef thing. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like going backwards. And it's like this really weird, uncomfortable position of like, 
yeah, I just want to go work for free for a bunch of people. Uh -huh. People yeah. are like, well, what? Like, wh like I'll say like, oh, I'm going to Europe. And they're like, oh, yeah, did you get a you get an EC job? I'm like, no, I got an internship. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go peel potatoes. Like, to be honest with you, I would be happy to go back and work for free. <laughs> right. I, so when I was in France, I worked for cheese and wine. Nice. <laughs> yes. And I will happily go. And I think my wife would support me in that, actually. Yeah, too. <laughs> we got the thumbs up. It just changed your whole life. You didn't even know. Oh. Um, yeah. So I, I totally relate to that. And you're going to have a lot of fun, though. Thank you for saying it's okay to be uncomfortable because I am wildly uncomfortable. That's good. <laughs> like, you know, it's so, scary. you know, not to take it back to the door. I don't know how, no. how much time we have left. As much time as you want. All right. Good. <laughs> we may be here for a while. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, you know, so the, the, you know, the, all the personalization that happens mm. at the Golden Door, you know, from, you know, you get interviewed, you figure out what you're interested in, what you want to accomplish, what, what is the goal? Yeah. Um, you know, and then goes into the food, but you know, part of that is also for, for us to, it can, it, it's a kind of a fine balance. Yeah. If you build up too much personalization, it, it makes a, that comfort blanket, that security mm. blanket thicker. Sure. And it's, you know, one of the magic things that happens at the Golden Door is you just kind of walk away realizing how beautiful life really is. Yeah. As it that is. That is magical. <laughs> You know, it, it, without having the, it's not the accoutrements and, sure. and whatever else that goes along with it. It's it, the golden door helps helps you stop for a second and you know recognize that right in front of you is beautiful. It's called yeah. life, yeah. and we all get to live it. And yeah. we're so fortunate to have that. And then to put on it conditions like mm. I have to have this in order for I have a good life, and right. I have to have this to have a good life. And the golden door, it you know, ironically with you know how much it costs mm -hmm. and everything else like that. But it helps it helps strip off all of those, you know, that those those outer layers for yeah. some of these folks who have such thick security blankets sure. from from being in the industry for yeah. some I mean, whatever industry they right. are, high stressful jobs really mm -hmm. helps uh protect you. Yeah. So help helping them shed that. Yeah. Yeah. And be able to That's actually hard. just you know, relax and be a human being because yeah. so many of them have to wear airs of, because I have to be this person, I have right. to be this celebrity, or I have to be this boss, or I have to be whatever it is. And, you know, you, at the door, you just have to be a human. Yeah. And that's a really good thing sometimes. Yeah, that is. And sometimes that's a really hard thing. It, it really is. <laughs> yeah. I think being a good human is a hard thing. Yeah. And yeah. I, it shouldn't be easy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you should have to work at being good. Yeah. Um. So the golden door seems it yeah I mean yeah it seems and I'm pretty confident to say that it is a magical wonderful place. Mm -hmm. Um and in your wildest dreams um do you you know would you like to open your own restaurant one day? No. No. Yeah. I love this question cuz <laughs> cuz most of the time that's the answer is like absolutely not. Um, I'm not it's nothing against those who do. Sure. I I um uh, let me tell you I mean my wildest dreams. Well, if there was a bank account big enough, yeah. sure. But you know, um, I wouldn't mind having something small. You know, yeah. it's really I really appreciated last week in in uh, your last episode um, where you guys were having the discussion of really changing. You know, where where is the industry? What what's the next yeah. big groundbreaking thing for the industry to change? Like restaurants and yeah. and you know, to be on. Uh, I'm just gonna put plug in my side. Yeah, please do rewind a little bit. Yeah. And, I'm really I'm more interested in in seeing more of a communal mm -hmm. style dining, more of a community, and and there's elements of there now, yeah, but less of the uh, less of the sit down, mm -hmm. get a menu, 
waiter come by, yeah. get you your wine, your appetizer, and then you, then you have your entree. And it's not how we eat at home, right? I, I'm 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 interested in in you know building the camaraderie, and sometimes that's just like when you have people that are sitting right next to you or right across the way from you. You know, you you're you're, you're going to go back to Europe. You're going to see it. Yeah. You yeah. know, you go to eat a restaurant in Europe and. <laughs> Uh, I could sneeze, and I'm sneezing on 20 people's <laughs> yeah. <than> me. <laughs> yeah, totally. You're sitting that close to each other. Yeah. Um, really, I'm making this sound appetizing, huh? No, it's great. Uh, no, but so having like we're you know changing up that whole idea of you know let's go back to where a, a restaurants originated from. Yeah. Soup kitchens, you know, like I mean, if you go to these other countries and cultures where basically mass feeding people all mm-hmm. something similar yeah but it's the communication that happens sitting there in front of the you know you having a conversation or sharing food with someone that you may you don't even know yeah that's a connection that you make that wouldn't have been made otherwise mm-hmm. um i really like that that's a new one i was taking notes because i like to remember what chefs say about this because yeah. um because I, it is a topic that is exceptionally interesting to me. Like, mm-hmm. I am so interested in uh, molding a better restaurant industry yeah. um, in San Diego and in the whole world. And, you know, we look at, like, the, the MAD Forum, which is in Copenhagen in a few weeks, where it's, yeah. like, a group of powerful chefs and industry people who are trying to do that. And And I think it's interesting that it's, starting, you know, I mean, it's not that interesting. It's starting over there, but I want it to trickle down here. Like, of course. And I know Phil Estevan comes to mind where he's like, mm-hmm. he's got some really incredible ideas. Yeah. And um, Dave and Waite, of course, yeah. you know, and, and your communal style of eating, like I haven't heard that one yet. And I love that idea because it, it's, it is like uh, the word community keeps coming up for me. And like, what's more community oriented than communal eating? Like, right? it's perfect. Like, I would love no to eat. <laughs> I would love to like actually go to a restaurant and it'd be fine to just eat with your hands. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I think it, we there, uh, there's a focus, and just in the last in, in in the last I don't know, I don't I rarely ever watch food shows. Sure, yeah. It's you know, and and it's not that I. It's because I don't want to come home and work more. Yeah, no, you know, I'm, I'm I watch the same a, way. I watch yeah. a food show and then I start screaming at the TV. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, you don't do it that way. Um, what are you know, they but, thinking? But um, so we've been recently, we've been watching a lot of food shows, my, yeah. my wife and I. And, and uh, one of the things that I like out of the food show is the the thought pro- provoking process mm-hmm. that happens for myself. Yeah. If I, if I, if I enjoy the right food show, right. Um, if it doesn't get too idealistic and just kind of sure, like, just about and... enjoying some good food. Yeah. Um, but one of the, you know, one of those things that, that came out of that was just seeing the different, reminding yourself mm-hmm. of the different ways and styles in which yes. people eat. And, um, you know, this, the answer to the industry is not more formality, you know, right. like, and I, I feel like even in those food shows, there is a, heavy emphasis placed upon the chefs who are getting high accolades mm-hmm. or have, you know, heavy Michelin stars and things like yeah. that. And, you know, the, the local mom and pop eateries are just as, just as important. Yeah. But they, of course, obviously aren't as flashy and don't make yeah. the same magazine ads. I, most of my favorite restaurants yeah. are the mom and pop places that you find where they're just putting fresh love into the food. Right. And it's more enjoyable for me to eat. Um, I get the novelties not as much there, but, yeah. um, it's it's you know that 
we tend to forget that that food is not only supposed to be fulfilling mm -hmm. us in a pleasurable sense, yeah. but it's should be nourishing from our yeah. health perspective. It should mm -hmm. be nourishing for our soul. And sitting there and sharing a meal with strangers, yeah, can be so very fulfilling. Yeah, um, and and having those, you know, having that interaction of, you know, we, if if you went to a restaurant tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. Imagine this: you go to a restaurant, and you have one of those high top tables. Yeah. And food is just getting set down. Yeah. You know, in other words, you just paid to come in. Yeah. And then you're sitting there and you're just sharing. You don't know who, who the heck's sitting across the way from you. Right. Maybe you could have, you know, eight of you with your family. But, you know, having other people sit down and the food just keeps rotating yeah. in and out. And it's just basically whatever fun. the kitchen's making. <laughs> yeah. But we have to do something because it's yeah. not it, it's it's not um, it's not sustainable on its sense to uh, on itself, excuse me, for yeah. us to, you know, the the culinary side the kitchen side has always been woefully paid yeah um it's you know if yeah third piece of advice for local you know yeah. for for young chefs if you're getting in this job for money forget it wrong <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, you know there, there is yes there is an argument to be made that you can but it's you have to really really i mean if you don't if you're not really willing yeah. to apply yourself and and really work the the I often feel like cooks think that the chef's job mm. is the easier job in the right. kitchen, and you don't know how hot the seat is until you actually sit yeah, in it. And, absolutely. And um, as a young executive chef, you know exactly how much it actually goes into that. It, it's it's far beyond what you're usually expecting. Yeah. Maybe you've been prepared for it, but it's most often less than you've been expecting. So totally. Uh, but either way, at the end of the day, like we need to find a way to make it an advantageous job mm -hmm. for everyone yeah. and and uh it can't just be for the few it, it needs to be across the across the industry that we need to support i mean i i still do think like i mean i'm always struggling to try to find better ways to you know increase my staffs yeah. um uh you know i don't want to say uh their compensation i mean it's so much more than money sure yeah. How can I increase that? Yeah. The How value. I, the, the, the return for yeah. for investing their time with mm -hmm. us and being being a part of our team. Um, and it's, it's increasingly. You know, it used to be a lot easier to move around and go different places yeah. and stuff like that. And now it's not as easy. As, and a lot of that just comes down to cost. I mean, yeah. trying to live here in San Diego County and be a cook. It's hard. It's hard yeah. to do it and be a chef. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Ooh, so so much goodness in that conversation. Um, and hmm, so I have like Sorry. no, no. I'm like, ooh, I like this part. <laughs> so what you said that if you were going to open a restaurant, but you aren't. But if you were, yeah. you would open something small, right? And It'd like, be like a palapa on a beach. Okay, yeah, It'd be like sandwiches. <laughs> I'm like what? Like, and cold beer. How are we talking? And like, I could surf when I need. Yeah. To. <laughs> like, what would be your style? But like, you know, that's the problem is I can't make a retirement. I mean, that's a right. lot of sandwiches. That's a lot of sandwich. A lot of jerk chicken sandwiches. Yeah. yeah. Now, food's cheap. I, I personally feel like food's cheap. I know I yeah. get like people go out to restaurants and think like it's expensive, but um, we were having this discussion a lot with uh, with guests at the door, and mm. I I explained to them is that there's uh, there's for personally it's just my observation. Yeah. There's a backward sense in that. Uh, you know, for years, culture here in the United States mm -hmm. has been to, you know, you go out to eat and you pay so much and then you get a to-go bag. Yeah. You know, you get enough food on your plate right. that it looks like, oh, look what I got. Yeah. I got this big potato and I got this and uh -huh. I have plenty and I'm going to have stuff for tomorrow for yeah. lunch and things like that. 
and in reality that you know you know obviously you go many places in the world and that's just not at all the case sure you know it's yeah. it's something that's afforded to a developed country like ourselves that has this uh heavy weight put on yeah. extra yeah and um the reality is, is it forces us as the chefs or as the, as the, as the menu planners is mm-hmm. that, you know, so, okay, if I, if I'm going to charge 15 bucks for this mm-hmm. dish, I need to make it for five bucks. Right. Okay. So if I need to make it for five, but I need to make it twice as big because mm-hmm. they need to take some home. Well, that's going to cut your quality of ingredients in half. Yeah. So we're not really allowing, you know, by, by forcing the, the food to be cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper constantly, mm-hmm. it's pushing the it backs against the wall, yeah, and it goes. It reverberates through lots of parts of our, um, lots of parts of our industry. From you go to the restaurant, yeah, and then you go to the produce company yeah. who has to, you know, at the same time uh, sacrifice and integrity and in quality. Sure, uh, and then it puts the farmers and the ranchers mm-hmm. and the and the fishermen. Yeah, you know. I have yet to meet a farmer who wants to spray chemicals because right. it earns them twice as much profit. Yeah. Um, the reality is, is that the farmers rightly mm-hmm. want to send their children to college too. Yeah. And so they need to charge so much, you know, yep. but so they need to, the market wants them to come to, uh, you know, come to the market with these, mm-hmm. the corn at such and such price. Yeah. Well, the only way I get that is by spraying a bunch of chemicals on there, right. you know, yeah. but the nice thing is the the organics, Yes. Uh, have, you know, in the last 40 years, they've moved our industry so much Absolutely. and continues to. But, you know, at the same time, we live in a nice little bubble here. Yes. Yes, we do. Which is fortunate. But I'm <laughs> yeah. looking to see that bubble grow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Chef David, he, he, I've heard him say it a few times where he's like, we cook to support our cooking habit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. so true, right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah, when you when you have that in your body, it's like... Yeah, like the money, like I'm, I need to make some money and I want to be comfortable. But like at the end of the day, like this is what I need to be doing to be fulfilled in my life. Right. So the rest is kind of like, yeah, let's make it work. Well, here's the, uh, do you ever get the question oh, or statement? Yeah. Oh, you're a chef. You must have amazing food all the time. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just sure. we stand there and just like, right. oh, look. Yeah. You know, and the reality is most of us are just like, grabbing something off the cutting board as we run oh, past yeah. it. Oh, totally. Like, <laughs> who cares? Melon what scraps. Whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. Although, uh, that's a really good rind. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I know. That is so true. Um, this has been really great. I want to keep talking to you, but we'll do it off air. So that we <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Harry, uh, yeah. Harriet, for uh, chiming in there. I that know. Thanks, Harriet. Sweet. I love when there's interaction. Um, hey, thanks so much for joining. Thank you for having me here. Yeah. This has been fun. I it wish, I mean, fun. we should, you know, we should make this two hours. We can just yeah, continue. Right? Just keep going. Danielle's like, I got other people recording. Like, I don't know. I try to tell people I'm very short on words and no one believes me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm limited in our yeah. meetings. Um, <laughs> if you guys want to follow Chef Greg, you can do so on Instagram at Greg. Fry, but spelled F-R-E-Y, Jr. And also follow The Golden Door at The Golden Door on Instagram. Um, and to explore the San Diego food scene, head on over to DineLocalSD.com, where we highlight restaurant menus and ongoing specials. Remember to stay connected with us on Instagram and Facebook at DineLocalSD for upcoming podcast guests and awesome giveaways. Also, if you are listening, um, this is officially the end of SD. Season one. So um, someone else will be coming at you in the next couple weeks with a brand new format and a brand new thing. 
Uh, things are good. <laughs> yeah, things. Thank you for all of the support, and uh, I'll catch you guys around. Well, Kat, good luck on your upcoming travels. Thank you. Good to have you here, and sad to see you go. <laughs> Thank you. If you guys enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and give us a rating on iTunes. Thank you. The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today.